This message was presented at the GYC to the end in Houston, Texas. For other resources like this, visit us online at gycweb.org. Good afternoon and happy Sabbath, everyone. I'm so glad that you decided to spend your Sabbath afternoon to hear me share my testimony. My name is Tara Vang, and you might know me as the VP of Evangelism for GYC. You might even know me as Miss Glow, because I do love glow tracks and testimonies. But today I have something else that I want to share with you. First, I'd like to teach you something. Uh, I want you to say and repeat after me, Nya Zhong. Nu Ki Shu. Turn to your neighbor and say, Nya Zhong Nu Ki Shu. You just learned how to say Happy Sabbath in Hmong. The Hmong people are an indigenous people group from the mountainous regions of Southeast Asia. If you look on the screen, you'll see a country that my parents are from. It's the country of Laos. Hmong people live in China, Vietnam, Laos, and Thailand. My parents were born and raised in the northern villages of Laos a landlocked country. I'm so happy to share about how God has mightily worked in my life. But this afternoon, I'm going to share about my family's refugee story and how we became Seventh-day Adventists. I'm also sharing how one dedicated young person going into the 1040 window and going into unreached foreign fields has changed the life course of my life, my family, and generations to come. How one young person has made an eternal impact on an unreached people group, the Hmong people. Before I start my testimony, let us begin with a word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, if there was ever a time I needed the Holy Spirit, it is right now. Lord, I pray that your Holy Spirit would be poured upon our entire group here at GYC. I pray that everybody would hear your voice, hide me behind the cross, and help me to speak words from your throne room. All this I ask in Jesus' name. Amen. The title of my testimony is To the End. Will you go? I'm going to start off with a testimony. Do you guys like testimonies? I'm going to start off with a glow testimony, actually. So I received a call from a sweet 91-year-old lady. It was May 2017. I had no idea who she was until she told me her name. As soon as she told me her name, I froze. And I just couldn't speak. The reason why is because I knew who she was. I had never met her, but I knew her name. I wasn't prepared for this call. I silently froze because on the back of every Hmong glow tract is my phone number. But don't tell anyone. (laughs) I was in disbelief when she told me her name was Jean Hall and that her husband's name was Richard Hall. I 
couldn't believe that I would be reconnected with this special couple. You see, at 32 years old, Richard Hall was a pilot missionary. He was the first Seventh-day Adventist to step foot into the country of Laos. He truly believed in the literal fulfillment of Revelation 14.6. Let's turn there. I want us to read that. Please turn with me to Revelation 14.6. If you need some time, say have mercy. If you're there, say amen. Amen. Revelation 14.6. I still hear Bibles turning. I like that sound. Elder Richard Hall believed in the literal fulfillment of Revelation 14.6. And it says, And I saw another angel fly in the midst of heaven, having the everlasting gospel, to preach unto them that dwell on the earth, and to every nation, and kindred, and tongue, and people. See, he was a pilot missionary. He wanted to fly, literally, to these places and teach the people about Jesus. The purpose of private plane travel in his work was to provide the missing link of swift transportation in areas where near impenetrable distances hinder the spread of gospel, of the gospel, or halt any medical aid to those who desperately need it. This mission would have been virtually impossible if he did not go with an airplane. It's Brothers and sisters, it is past time for the church to get up in the air in more than one way. In 1958, he baptizes the first Laotian converts, converts, most who are Hmong people. In 1959, he establishes the first church in Laos. 32 years old. Brothers and sisters, we have a choice to go to the ends of the earth just like he did. GYC, God is calling you and I to fly to the ends of the earth. I truly believe this. As soon as Elder Hall buys land and builds a church, he is soon replaced by a 25-year-old, Abel Pangyang, a single Filipino pastor. At 25, He was not the ideal candidate. He was single, and that was actually why they didn't want him. But God still calls single people to the mission field. Amen? But the work was growing, and they needed somebody to shepherd the new established church. He receives a telegram from Elder Hall, Get married now. Wife follows. Basically, get married as soon as possible, show up to the mission field, then she can come afterwards. By God's grace, that's exactly what happened. He received the call. He was like, all right, I got to get married. Let me show you some of the things that Pastor Panyan did when he showed up to Laos. I have some videos that I want you to see. 
If we could show the videos, Pastor the Fung first on video. There, uh, in the jungles of Laos, and, and let's see if we can roll that beautiful footage. Take us through what we're seeing here. All right, what we see here is this man went hunting, and then he put his gun. When he picked it up, it went off and hit his shoulder there. The bullet went through the front side of his shoulder and then to the back and asked me if I could help him. And here, going to the village, helping them with their medical needs. This man was bitten by a wild boar, and I was asked to help him, so I was suturing here in a primitive way. And I was asked to apply that one hour of dentistry, how to extract... One hour of dentistry training. But by God's grace, he used the medical missionary work to reach the people. I have another video I want you to, sh to, to show you about what it's like to build jungles in Laos. So did you build a school on a flat plain somewhere? Did you bring in heavy equipment? Did you bring in the large bulldozers? <laughs> tell us a little bit about how you did that and, and tell us while this film is rolling. Well, uh, we had to use whatever materials were available. <laughs> so in that village, we gathered bamboos to split them and use them as roof. And then we had to cut down timbers to use as posts. And here are the Hmong people helping me to gather this material so we could build a school for them. And this is the village chief leading out leading his people to help us build a school in their village. Now, in a minute, we'll see a man uh, with, uh, if, if, I, if my memory serves me correctly, there he is, a man with a, with, with a gunshot with a wound. Gunshot. Tell yes. us a little bit about, about this man. Well, this, gun, this man with a gunshot wound said, I am well enough. I cannot just stand by without helping. So he himself started helping us to gather materials for the school. <laughs> yeah. Amen. So, so was the school ultimately built? Tell us just a little bit about how the, the, the project was finished. Well, the school was completed not long after that. But in gathering the materials like this, we had to go through uh, jungle trails infested with blood suckers. So... If you would see there in one of the scenes, I was bitten by a blood sucker. That sounds um, very, very adventurous. By God's grace, at 25 years old, he was doing medical missionary work as well as building schools and building churches for Hmong people in the jungles of Laos. My final video is a video of what it's like to experience the first church that's built in a country. The Lord bless us that uh, the first Seventh-day Adventist church in Laos was established with more than 40 members, mostly Hmong people. That's right. And there we see, we see that, that, that picture of that first congregation. Yes, that's the first Seventh-day Adventist church in Laos in 1959. Brothers and sisters, can I get an amen? amen? Young people, you can go to the ends of the world and do simple things and just spend time with people who do not know Jesus. My family was living in the northern parts of Laos, and by God's grace, 
the two missionaries that would step foot in Laos would be able to impact my family. My family, it took 10 years before they became Seventh-day Adventists, but it was not an easy journey. My paternal grandfather, his name is Ngesang Vang. He began seriously considering Christianity in the early 70s. It was because my dad, a young man at that time, about 21 years old, he was under spiritual attack. Every known solution to address his spiritual attack in the culture led to the idea that he had very little time left to live. So my paternal grandfather was not at peace over the fact that my one, his one and only son, my dad, had such a short time to live. He began searching for answers and he decided he must become Christian. But he needed time. He started out by observing all the missionaries in the villages, all the groups of every walk of Christianity. He observed for six months. And his observations and his decisions were based on three things. Friendliness, faithfulness, and effectiveness. Can you repeat that? Friendliness, faithfulness, and effectiveness. Exactly. My grandpa, paternal grandpa, was looking at all the missionaries from every Christian denomination, looking to see whether they were friendly, faithful, and effective. Did this church or the people representing this church, did they really believe in what they taught? Were they friendly? Were they faithful? Because he was facing a life or death situation with my dad. His choice would be a life or death situation. After six months, by God's grace, he chose to be a Seventh-day Adventist. The Adventist missionaries genuinely loved the Hmong people. The Adventist missionaries believed in their teachings. They kept the Sabbath as they taught it. When the Adventist missionaries prayed, God answered their prayers. Their faith worked. Immediately, when a Hmong person became a Seventh-day Adventist, they had to get rid of all the idols and all the altars within the home. Immediately, Within 24 hours of conversion, there was spiritual healing in the home. Amen? And they began keeping the Sabbath. Many other Christian groups did not offer these things. They offered community, but they did not offer the things that my, uncle, my grandfather was wanting. After six months, he became a Seventh-day Adventist. Amen. But this was not just the only issue they were facing at that time. You see, at this time, there was a war going on. It was called the Vietnam War. And during this time, my family had just become Seventh-day Adventists. The Vietnam War was raging in Southeast Asia from 1961 to 1975. And America was losing the war. The Hmong had been recruited by the Americans to fight as guerrilla fighters. The CIA funded this special operation, and they called it the Secret War in Laos. 
Because of the operation, the Americans needed expert jungle fighters. They hired over 300,000 Hmong fighters, men and boys. 50,000 died fighting for the U.S. On April 30, 1975, Saigon fell and America lost the Vietnam War. And genocide was declared upon the Hmong people because we helped Americans. As a medic supporting the Americans in the Vietnam War, my dad knew that he would be in danger. He, along with my paternal grandfather, decided, what are we going to do? But there was one thing they did know what to do, and they had just learned how to do it, and that was to pray. Amen? Brothers and sisters, when we don't know what to do, we can pray, and God will open doors. Well, it, it was a very raining night. It was monsoon season. They decided they had to go on foot when it was monsoon season because it would be harder to trace the trail that you walked on, and it would be, you wouldn't hear the leaves crackling under your feet because genocide was after them. People, soldiers were after them. After the praying, the Lord revealed to them, go, go tonight. They packed up what they could carry, and they were on foot and headed towards Thailand. They came to the, Vit, to the Ming Kong River, which borders between Laos and Thailand. To get to Thailand, would have been freedom. But during this exodus, they could hear soldiers in the distance. They kept praying. Eventually, my family reached the Mingkong River, and there was a boatkeeper. My dad decided to hire this boatkeeper so that they could carry their group of people across the boat, across the Mingkong River. As they were all scared and drenched in water, they all got in the boat. There was about 20 people on this exodus with them. But as soon as they got in the boat, it started to sink. There was too many people, and the boat was too small. Somebody has to stay behind. No one wanted to get off the boat. If no one gets off the boat, everybody dies. No one volunteered. Eventually, my grandfather, Gisang Feng, decides, I'll get off so you can live. He, along with two others, decide to get off that boat so that the first boat trip can make it. On that first boat trip was my mom and dad and my oldest brother. It made it safely. But on the second trip, they heard gunshots, and that boat never made it. My grandfather died, drowning. In horror, my parents, they lost my grandfather. But they went to the Thailand refugee camps. They tried to pick up what they could do, and they waited at the refugee camps. They were not allowed to cook for themselves. They were not allowed to leave. It was like jail. They went hungry for days. But for two years, 
they would be in this refugee camp and then asylum would be granted to them and they would come to America. Two years later, another brother of mine, my second oldest brother, is added to the family. They get asylum to America and they fly to America in 1978. And by God's grace, they are the first Hmong Seventh-day Adventists in America. They came to America with no idea how to turn a doorknob. They did not know a single word of English. They didn't know what a toilet was. They didn't know what a grocery store was. They didn't know what bread was. They didn't know anything about this culture or this country. They didn't know, and they were hungry. They found friendliness at the hotel that they were staying by a African-American janitor who spent more than $19 of his own money so that they could have food. Amen. As soon as my parents landed, they settled in the city of Santa Barbara, California. My dad wrote an, a letter to the Thailand Adventist Mission. He said, this is where I live. Where is the Seventh-day Adventist church? You see, at that time, there were other newly arrived Hmong refugees, and they were all deciding, why don't we gather together and start afresh together? But the problem was that these refugees were not Christians. They still held on to the traditional faiths. And my parents, they had left the faith. So they were at a standstill. What do we do? Do we go back to the people we know, the culture we know, and the people who understand our struggle? Or do we continue to be Seventh-day Adventists as best as we can? Well, by God's grace, two weeks after that letter was sent out to the Thailand mission, there was a knock on the door. And there was a pastor. It was the Sabbath day. The pastor of the local Seventh Santa Barbara Seventh-day Adventist Church was knocking on my parents' door to pick them up to go to church. Amen? And they would continue to do this. This church would continue to do this for six months, picking up my parents every Sabbath to go to church. Brothers and sisters, love covers a multitude of sins, but love for newly arrived refugees help us overcome unimaginable grief, unimaginable trauma, and loss. I pray our church is still that loving church that can do that for refugees. We need to do that. Refugees long for community. They have lost everything that is familiar to them. So then this brings in my story. I grew up in public school all my life. I grew up in public housing all my life. When I graduated high school, I, I left and went to a secular university. I also left the church. There were so many unanswered questions. Why did I grow up refugee? Why did I grow up with all these issues, trauma? I remember attending my first GYC and thinking, Wow, there's a biblical reason for godly relationships. No one had ever taught me that. I didn't grow up with that truth. But they convicted me, and I purposed in my heart 
that I would do what God would want for me to do for my life. Until I graduate school, I didn't know that God had a plan for my life. I went to Loma Linda University, and during that time, I, I heard God audibly speak to me for the first time, and it changed my life. I started praying, Lord, where do you want me to go? I'll go to any young adult church service. I just asked for two things. One, that they would have a convicting, present truth message, because that was what I was longing. And two, please send somebody to invite me to potluck. Come on. Please, if there was somebody new in your church, invite them to eat with you. Well, I went to Sabbath, that first Sabbath, while I was in Loma Linda. And the speaker was incredible. I went home. I was thinking, oh, I need to go home and study my Bible. I was so convicted. But then I was, I told the Lord, well, it was a great message, but no one in, there's no one here to talk to me. And I'm just, so I started walking away. On my way out, there was a young lady that stopped me. And she asked if, if I was new. And I said, I was. And she said, would you like to go? to potluck with my friends and I. Amen. God answers very specific prayers. This girl would come to teach me the sanctuary message. Personal Bible studies, young people. There's somebody around you that needs to know the Bible personally, one-on-one. Not just Fridays, Vespers. Not just on the Sabbath. Go some other day of the week and just hang out at Starbucks and study the Bible with somebody. When I got home for the first time, I stopped my whole family and I told them, you guys, we are Hmong and Seventh-day Adventists for a reason. There's a reason why we were raised in this church. I was so thankful for that. Then I graduated. I went to start working in the secular um, jobs of public health. And I remember having a dream. And in the dream, I was standing kind of like on a stage like this. And in the crowd was an endless sea of faces representing all kindred, all nations, all tongues, and all people. Kind, kind of like this, actually. And in my dream, though, I realized not a single Hmong person was in the crowd. In the dream, I knew I was preaching the three angels' message, but not a single Hmong person was in the crowd, and I knew they were not hearing the message. I was devastated. I woke up crying from the dream, and in that time was when I was met with the Glow Track ministry. And when I was introduced to this ministry, I was like, we got to translate some tracks into Hmong. I can't wait anymore. So that's what happened. And as I translated, my family and I, we all edited the, the tracks together. And suddenly we realized this is the most beautiful thing we have ever read in our own language. And we could share it. And as we started sharing, people started calling. I want to come to church on Saturday. I want to join you. You see, Hmong people, we get together, and when we get together, everybody gets together. 
We have festivals and there's 50,000 of us, 100,000 of us. And I used to go to be entertained. Who doesn't want to be in their cultural um, attire and go to the festivals? But now I was going out there to give glow tracks in every single hand. And so were my family members. We've all, we're all trained to pass out glow. If there is anything that I've learned about literature evangelism, it is this, that outreach is inreach. When we go, we are blessed. That's why I want you all to go on outreach tomorrow. Be here at 12 o'clock. I remember going on my first GLOW mission trip in Philadelphia, and it was scary. It was devastating, actually. I didn't know what I was doing, but I knew that there were so many people all in the downtown streets of Philadelphia, and they were all, I saw prophecy fulfilled right before my eyes, and it convicted my heart. Lord, I have not done anything to advance your kingdom. Take me from where I am and put me where I can be. Because I want to win souls. There's too many out there. And after that, I went canvassing. I couldn't go back to my secular job. I don't know about you, but I need to do something that changes lives. That's my kind of... I I, I have to be in that field where I know I'm making a tangible impact. So I left my secular job and I went into ministry. I went canvassing for the first time. And it was the hardest thing I've ever done, but it was such a blessing. And God was so good to me because he even let me experience dump bags. Do you guys know what dump bags mean? That means they took everything in my books. And I was doubting God the entire time. And he just kept affirming, affirming, and affirming. It's amazing what happens when you put God first. GYC, my time is coming to a close. But I just wanted to share that as I start closing my testimony, I wish I could talk to you guys forever. I want to read something very special. And uh, I titled it, Thank You. You see, as a refugee, you don't get to grow up with much. But you remember everything that people have done for you. So I just want to read this to you. Mom and Dad... Um, Thanks for raising us around loving church families who spent time with us and treated us as their very own kids. Bill Kaloudis for knocking on my parents' doors every Sabbath to pick up the family every Sabbath for church the first six months of our arrival to America. To Mr. and Mrs. Himmelwright for being our second parents, driving us everywhere, introducing us to the first ever vegetarian burger. And Mr. H, sharing with us your favorite topic, evidence of God's creation. To the gardeners for faithfully transporting us to church programs, revelation seminars, choir practice, Vespers, gym nights, and youth church. Net 96 with Mark Finley changed our lives forever, and you took us to every meeting. Rachel Vasera and Debbie Nichols, for your hours of driving us across town in, in the church van, to homeless feedings, vespers, gym nights, and teaching us about Jesus. The Palm family, 
You're the first family that invited us to Thanksgiving dinner. And you're the first family that bought us kids presents for Christmas. We've never forgotten. Akiva and the late Babatunde for opening your hearts and home for the youth. We'll never forget your living room on Eucalyptus Drive. Tim Bray, Adam Bray and Tim Yule for adding humor into our lives and teaching us all how to drive a stick shift. Ramilda Davis for being our Sabbath school teacher and teaching us everything we learned as kids and how to sing Sabbath school songs. The list goes on and on and on. I wish I could go through it all. My time is coming short. But I just wanted to share that all of us can reach refugees. Every single one of us. You know, God God allowed us to come to this country because as I was reading in the book of evangelism, God in his providence has allowed foreigners to come to our land to hear the truth for this time. And upon hearing the truth, they will be able to communicate it to their friends, their family, their community in this country and in the country at home. That's what's going on right now. I have family in Thailand that's helping to share. I could share the finances and the blessings that God's given me, and I can bring Bibles to Hmong people across the world. What an awesome God I serve to allow me to do such a thing. I also want to invite a friend that I want you to meet. Pastor, please come and join me. Friends, I want you to meet someone that I met along my journey in ministry. Pastor Abel Ponyon. Stand right here. Retired, but not tired of the ministry. He left everything he knew and was the 25-year-old that went into the missionary field to reach my village. His influence has changed my life forever. Thank you very much. It's all because of God. When you love the Lord supremely, when you have a passion to tell others that God loves them more than they can understand, that passion will give you that desire to answer a call. Whenever you are called, you will find it. You will count it, not a sacrifice, but a joy and a privilege. Someone asked me, when you were 25 years old, why did you choose to go to Laos? Well, I said, because I love the Lord with all my heart. And as I read Isaiah 6, 8, when Isaiah was called as a young man, he said, here am I, Lord, send me. And I responded, when God called me. When you love the Lord with all your heart, your passion will make you to get even married when you are not ready. <laughs> Thank you so much, Pastor. When the call was, call was passed on to me, a telegram was sent, get married now, wife follows. I was not engaged, but the Lord made it possible that after a long, long struggle, my girlfriend finally 
consented that we would get married <laughs> 60 years ago. Amen. Then, ten days after we were married, we were separated. I left her to finish her college one more semester. I went to Laos and learned to love the Lao, the Hmong people. Although I did not speak the language at the time. But your passion for the Lord will make it possible for you to learn a language. Amen. Your passion for the Lord will help you to be even a jungle doctor, to be a jungle dentist. I didn't have any training. But as a tiny instrument in God's hand, God made it all to give, I mean to God, be the glory, Amen. the honor, the praise for what young people can do when they respond to God's call. Amen. And I just want to make an appeal, even at this time, I'm going to invite my family on stage, and I'm going to make an appeal for young people. This message was not just a message to make you feel inspired, but we still have so much work to do. There's so many people unreached, so many in this world. I remember getting an, an email from Adventist Frontier Missions. Have you guys heard of that ministry? I was reading at all the unreached groups and I was crying and the Lord just revealed to me, you were once, you, you were once on that list. But a young person came. They came to reach us. Why can't we go, GYC? Why can't we go all the way so that Jesus can come home? That we could go home to Jesus. Turkey has 76 million people and 28 Adventists. Mali is the size of California and Texas combined. And there's only one church. Why can't we go? What's holding us back? Some of you need to change your priorities. And as I, as I want, I just want to make an appeal to you young people. If you've been touched by my testimony, I want you to come forward. I want you to say, God, use me. Allow me. Have you even let God ask you the question, if you will go? As my family sings this special song of appeal, and you feel convicted to come forward, we want to scan you, scan your badges, and get you connected. Please, come forward. We want to connect you, and we want to send young people. We need to go. This message was recorded at the GYC to the End in Houston, Texas. GYC, a supporting ministry of the Seventh-day Adventist Church, seeks to inspire young people to be Bible-based, Christ-centered, and soul-winning Christians. To download or purchase other resources like this, visit us online at gycweb.org.